Chapter Twenty Two of Fern's Hollow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Fern's Hollow by Hesba Stretton. Chapter Twenty Two The Master's Deathbed. When the master at last consented to leave the site of his old dwelling burning into blackened heaps, he seemed to care nothing where he might be taken. He was without a home, and almost without a friend. It was not accident merely, but the long-provoked hatred of his people that had driven him from the old chambers and the old roof which had sheltered him for so many years, and where all the habits and memories of his life centred miss anne had not been long enough at botfield to form friendships on her own account except among the poor and ignorant people on her uncle's works and she accepted most thankfully the offer of the doctor from longville to give them a refuge in his house no sooner had they arrived there than it was discovered that the master was struck with paralysis brought on by the shock of the fire and all the terrifying circumstances attending it he was carried at once to a bedroom and from that time miss anne had been fully occupied in nursing him he had seemed to be getting better the last day or two and his power of speech had returned though he spoke but rarely only following miss anne's movements with earnest eyes and hardly suffering her to leave him even for necessary rest and refreshment all that afternoon he had been tossing his restless head from side to side uttering deep low groans and murmuring now and then to himself words which miss anne could not understand she looked white and ill herself as if her strength were nearly exhausted but after the doctor had been in and feeling the master's pulse shook his head solemnly she would not consent to leave his bedside for any length of time how long she whispered going with the doctor to the outside of the door no more than twenty-four hours was the answer will he be conscious all the time she asked again i cannot tell certainly replied the doctor but most probably not only twenty-four hours one day of a swiftly passing time and then the eternal future one more sun setting and one more sun rising and then everlasting night or eternal day for a minute miss anne leaned against the doorway with a fainting spirit there was so much to do and so short a space for doing anything all the real business of the whole life had to be crowded into these few hours if possible as she entered the room her uncle's eyes met hers with a glance of unspeakable anguish and he called her in a trembling tone to her side i heard he whispered and what must be done now oh uncle she said have i not told you often that christ jesus came into the world to save sinners there is no limit with god with him one day is as a thousand years and he gives you still a day to make your peace with him there is no peace for my soul with god 
he answered. I've been at enmity with him all my life, and he will receive me at the last moment. He is too just, too righteous, Anne. I'll not insult him by offering him my soul now. You asked me once, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Mine is lost, lost, and that without remedy. This gold is a millstone about my neck. Uncle, she said, commanding her voice with a great effort, the thief upon the cross beside our Lord had a shorter time than you, for he was to die at sunset that day, yet he repented and believed in the crucified Saviour, who was able to pardon him. Christ is still waiting to forgive. He is stretching out his arms to receive you. Only look at him with the same penitence and faith that the dying thief felt. Nay, groaned the dying man. He could show his faith by confessing him before all those who were crucifying the Lord, and it was a glory to the Saviour to forgive him then. But what glory would it be to pardon me on this deathbed, where I can do nothing for him? No, I can do nothing, nothing. All these years I could have worked for God, but now I can do nothing. Uncle, said Miss Anne, our Lord was asked by some, What shall we do, that we might work the works of God? And he answered them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Oh, that is all. Believe on him, and he will forgive you, and all the angels in heaven will glorify him for his mercy. Anne, he answered, fixing on her a look of despair, I cannot. My heart is hard and heavy. I remember when I used to feel and care about these things, but it is dead now, and my soul is lost forever. And even if Jesus is willing to pardon me, I cannot believe in forgiveness. Miss Anne sank down by the bedside, unable to answer him, save by a prayer, half aloud to God, for his mercy to be shown to him, if it were possible. He lay there helpless and hopeless, tossing to and fro upon the pillows. At last he spoke again in a sharp, clear, energetic tone. Anne, be quick, he said. Find me my will among those papers. Perhaps if I could do something, I might be able to believe. He watched her with impatient eagerness as she turned over the precious parcel of papers which he had rescued from the fire. There were many documents and writings belonging to the property he had gathered together, and it was some time before she could find the will. The master tried to take it from her, but in vain. His right hand was powerless. Oh, I forgot, he cried despairingly. This hand is useless, and I cannot alter it now. God will not let me undo the mischief I have done, Anne. I have left Fern's Hollow away from you to my brother Thomas, lest you should restore it to Stephen, and now I can do nothing. Oh, misery, misery! The robbery and murder of the fatherless children rest upon my soul. Send quickly, Anne. Send for Stephen Fern. Miss Anne sent a messenger to hasten Stephen, and after that the master lay perfectly still, with closed eyes, as if he were treasuring up some little strength remaining to him. The last sunset was over, and the night lamp was lighted once more, 
while miss anne sat beside him watching in an agony of prayer to god there was no sound to be heard for every one in the house knew that the old man was dying and they kept a profound quietness throughout all the rooms he had taken no notice of anything since he asked for stephen but when a light rap was heard at the door he opened his eyes and turned his grey head round anxiously to see whether he had come it was stephen he stood within the doorway not liking to enter farther but looking straight forward at the master with a very pale and sorrowful face upon which there was no trace of triumph or hatred miss anne gazed earnestly at him but she did not speak she would not place herself between him and his dying enemy now come here stephen said the master in a voice of hopeless agony when little nan was lying dead you said you would wait and see what god could do to me come near and hear and see death is nothing boy it will only be a glory to you to die but god is letting loose his terrors upon me he is mocking at my soul and laughing at my calamity soon soon i shall be in eternity without hope and without god oh master master exclaimed stephen there is a time yet for our father to forgive thee it doesn't take long to forgive it didn't take even me long to forgive and oh how quickly god can do it if you'll only ask him do you forgive me asked the master in astonishment ah he cried i forgave thee long ago directly after i was ill it was god who helped me and wouldn't he rather forgive thee himself oh he loves thee he taught me how to love thee and could he do that if he didn't love thee his own self if i could only believe in being forgiven said the dying man oh believe it dear master see i am here i have forgiven thee and i do love thee little nan can never come back and yet i love thee and forgive thee from my very heart will not jesus much more forgive thee pray for me stephen kneel down there and pray aloud he said and his eyelids closed feebly and his restless head lay still as if he had no more power to move it i cannot answered stephen i'm only a poor lad and i don't know how to do it up loud miss anne will pray for thee if you have forgiven me pray to god for me murmured the master opening his eyes again with a look of deep entreaty over stephen's pale face a smile was kindling a smile of pure intense love and faith and the light in his pitying eyes met the master's dying gaze with a gleam of strengthening hope he clasped the cold hand in both his own and kneeling down beside him he prayed from his very soul lord lay not this sin to his charge he could say no more and miss anne who knelt by him was silent except for that one sob burst from her lips the master stirred no more but lay still with his numb and paralyzed hand in stephen's clasp but in a few minutes he uttered these words in a tone of mingled entreaty and assertion god be merciful to me a sinner 
that was all an hour or two afterwards it was known throughout longville and the news was on the way to botfield that the master of botfield works was dead end of chapter twenty two